My name is Roy Fuller, and I am here in my capacity as chair of your Global Mission Ministry Group this morning. And it is certainly my privilege to introduce uh, back to Highland a friend. Uh, today, Highland welcomes uh, back Chris Sanders. Chris is the interim coordinator, has been the interim coordinator for the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship for the past year. Is that right? Um, and he's going to come to us today to talk about his work in missions through the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. Uh, Chris is not a stranger, although some of you may not know him. He is the husband to Sharon and the father to Sarah, Matt, and John, and the son of John and Marilyn. There's a bunch of Sanders out there, as you may know. Chris is one whose life has been knit together with Highland Baptist for decades. He is currently a member and deacon at our sister church, and partner church, Ridgewood Baptist. And as I said, for the past year, he has been the interim coordinator for Kentucky Baptist Fellowship, and I know he's been doing a lot of travel, a lot of travel, right? right. <laughs> and has been doing a great job connecting to all the churches across the state who connect with the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. Chris's presence with us today uh, supports our annual emphasis on the global missions offering of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, and he'll tell you more about that. This is our primary national affiliation, and throughout this month, we are sharing ways that CBF, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, and KBF, the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship, is making an impact in our world in the name of Christ. And so we want to welcome Chris Sanders today to our pulpit. Thank you, Roy, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Good morning. As Roy said, I, I, I am here from time to time. Normally, I'm not here. I'm there <laughs> on Friday nights uh, wearing blue jeans and with guitar in hand. Uh, so it's good to be here with you this morning. Greetings from Ridgewood and from the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship. And before I forget, happy Father's Day. For fathers like me and fathers like you, it's a great morning to be together. Let me jump right in. What's going on with the Kentucky Baptist Fellowship? We are dozens of churches, thousands of Baptist Christians all across the Commonwealth of Kentucky, networked together in fellowship and letting the world know that there really are thinking, feeling, and healing Baptists of goodwill everywhere you may go. We're related to the National Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. Uh, I and others from here uh, just got back from our annual General Assembly in Dallas just this week. Just to tell you in general terms, your CBF is better than ever. There were 1,500 of us together, lots of young ministers, lots of great new ideas uh, with great plans for the future, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say to you that our own Joe Phelps who led in a couple of different ways, uh, was served us well. I won't steal his thunder and, and wait till he comes back to tell you about experiences there. And especially at this poignant time, we focused on racial reconciliation. It wasn't planned, but in God's time, the shootings in the church in Charleston coincided with the work that uh, CBF is doing white and African-American Baptists together uh, so that we were able to mourn and grieve 
in a way that it was in God's providential time. It was sad there. It's sad here now. More than sad, it's outrageous. But we live on in hope. And I know that one day, we, we America will be better. So about the Kentucky Fellowship, several things I have to tell you. We've launched into a new area of witness. Payday lending reform. Maybe you know something about this. Maybe it's touched your life personally or those around you. Folks in this church, payday lenders have shops all over this town, and they're really, really hard on working people. They'll make you a loan to tide you over until your next check so you can cover your rent or your groceries or your mortgage or your car payment or your kid's shoes, and that's all good, except the rates are sky high. The average percentage rate per annum is 391%. Imagine, imagine what kind of desperation somebody must be in in order to take a loan at nearly 400%. It's unbelievable. So maybe you borrow $300. In no time at all, you owe $800. You take, they take the money directly out of your checking account. So it's right off the top. So that you take out a loan to cover the last loan, and then another, and then another. Typically, payday uh, uh, borrowers are taking out 10 to 12 loans per year. We call it the debt trap. Now, we're speaking to our elected officials about this. Uh, it's advocacy. We aren't pushing for candidates. This is not uh, capital P politics. We're not supporting anybody in any elections because there aren't any elections now for several months, thank goodness. We're just responsible citizens, asking not for ourselves, but on behalf of those who really can't for relief for people who are drowning in debt and need a way out, because that's what advocacy is. It's love lived out in public. We went to Frankfurt in February and Washington, both in November and just last month in May. We met with legislators with mixed results. We held press conferences. We made our witness known. We have a very long way to go, because the forces of evil really are strong. But as the Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6, 9, we will not grow weary in well-doing. The big news off and on this entire year uh, has been about Morocco. For several years now, Kentucky Fellowship Baptists have gone to Morocco with uh, Kentucky's own Karen Thomas Smith, who has preached here. My parents have been, my kids have been. uh, I haven't yet been, but they all say when they get back it was um, life-changing. In September, the Africans from Morocco came here. Morocco, because it's a higher education center, uh, gathers young people from all over French-speaking West Africa. And they do their graduate work in Morocco, and they gather there in the Christian churches. They came from those churches there to see us here. Our state fellowship coordinates with their convention. I'll try it in French. The Église Evangélique au Maroc. How'd I do? We call it our partnership without borders. It was tremendous. Twelve of Africa's best and, best and brightest, really the future of Africa, are in the Christian churches in that mostly Muslim country. It's officially tolerant. It's officially okay to be a Christian there. In reality, not so much. And they came here to connect with us. So it's these young people from all over Africa who are leading and driving the Christian churches in Morocco. 
So we heard about their work there with refugees in a forest in a place called Ujda. Highland focuses on this ministry. In fact, you can ask Roy Fuller about it when you get a minute. Africa is really difficult, like you see on the news. Desperate people with nothing to live for, for at home, south of the Sahara Desert, walk away from their homes, walk away from civil war, from famine and disease in their home countries, walking, walking hundreds of miles across the Sahara Desert, and who knows how many don't make it. But then they arrive in Morocco, because they're trying to get to Europe. If they can get to Europe, they can make a life. They arrive in Morocco to only find that Europe doesn't want them, won't take them, and Morocco doesn't want them either. So there's nowhere, nowhere to go home to, and Morocco pushes them around and pushes them out. So Kentucky Fellowship Baptists support the work in the forest refugee camps in and around Ujda to help these of God's children just try to survive. We work on the most basic needs, shelter and food and simple health care, and also education because we're going back to Morocco again in September. We're calling for teachers, retired teachers, current teachers, Sunday school teachers, people who are called to be teachers, to go to Morocco with us to train and teach teachers. So call us if you want to go. And if you can't go, please pray for us. We're on mission in Kentucky. We call it Extreme Build. This is really Highland's own Laura Barclay's project. So, you know, when you see her, you know, tell her that, uh, what a blessing Extreme Build is. We just finished building our 10th house in 10 years in McCurry County in southeastern Kentucky, right on the Tennessee line. We built it just this month in June, bearing witness to Jesus' message of good news for the poor because we're part of the national CBF campaign called Together for Hope, which brings good news in 20 of the poorest counties in America. I'm sad to say that three of those counties are right here in the state. Laura and your own members, Greg Bunton and Jim McBee, worked really hard to build a new home from the ground up. So when you see them, they're like proud parents. You know, they've got the house as their baby. So ask them to show you pictures of the house on their phones. Uh, We built a beautiful house right from the foundation up for a single mom and two kids. Tasha and Lucas and Gracie are now in a house, which is great news because until now they lived in a camper. They lived in a camper, and she works full-time because that's the state of poverty in Appalachia today. But now, for one family in Mercury County, there's a home, a beautiful home to raise and grow in him because we bear witness to, in order to make a, a real difference. Story goes, a man died and went to heaven. So St. Peter meets him at the pearly gates. He says, look, here's how it works. You need 100 points in order to make it into heaven. You tell me all the good things you've done, and I give you a certain number of points for each one. When you reach 100 points, you can get in. Man goes, well, okay. I was married for 50 years. 
St. Peter goes, well, great. That's worth three points. The man goes, three points? <laughs> well, okay. Um, I went to church all my life, paid my tithe. St. Peter goes, terrific. That's worth, worth a point. One, two, three. Okay. The man goes, well, I started a soup kitchen in my city and worked in a shelter for homeless veterans. St. Peter goes, well, fantastic. You got two more points. The man goes, I don't know. Okay. One, two, three, four. At this rate, St. Peter, I don't know. The only way it looks to me like I'm going to get into heaven is, is by the grace of God. St. Peter goes, bingo. 100 points, and you can come on in. You see, as hard it is to believe and how hard we try, it really isn't about us. It's about God. It's about God's mercy. It's about God's grace, accepted just as we are with no strings. I'm a lawyer, you know, for any other lawyers in the room, there's no caveats, no deals, no, no whereases, no quid pro quos, no contracts. Just the love of God, freely given. And grace is for us, for all who will listen, who get it, who believe, and who accept. Let me emphasize all. Since I travel around for, for all of you, I go a lot of places, a word of warning. There's some out there who are preaching what they call Calvinism, saying that not all can answer the call. Not all can come to Jesus to be free from what ails and enter into God's abundant life. Not all will be welcome. They say God doesn't make room for everyone, that only an elitist elect will be saved, and following Jesus and responding to the call just doesn't make any difference, that only those elect will be welcome on that day. So, Highland Baptist, if you hear that word Calvinism, I want you to listen closely and listen twice. Because it's become a big project to get Calvinism into the churches around the state. If what they're saying is Calvinism, I don't like it, I don't agree, I don't want it, and I'll never, ever be a Calvinist. Because, friends, the very essence of God's grace is, as you've known all along in those timeless words, whosoever will may come. You don't have to accept it, and God won't make you, but God never gives up on you and is always ready for you. And there's amazing hope in that. When we know in our heart of hearts that we don't deserve, we can still have confidence because I'm convinced that grace and hope are two sides of the same coin. It's that hope I'd like to say a little more about. So Jesus is new to his call. He goes home to Nazareth. I'm new to preaching again, and here I am back at my home church, so I kind of get the dynamic. Jesus stands up to preach in his home synagogue. He calls for his Bible, the Hebrew book of Isaiah. He reads this. It's repeated into our story in the Gospel of Luke, and it bears repeating again this morning. Jesus reads, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, this is his first sermon. We should take note of what it is that people want to say first. 
Jesus is setting out a vision for the kingdom of God. Brian McLaren calls it the dream of God. By analogy, you can think Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preaching that he has a dream. It's a vision for a better tomorrow and a brighter day on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus claims that with his reading, the scripture is fulfilled. That God's dream is real and it is now. It's at that point, I do a mental double take. Because frankly, today usually looks the same as yesterday. Just a week ago, none of us here, me included, had ever heard of Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston. But now, just days after nine people were shot to death in a prayer meeting, pause for a moment and picture that happening in our own houses of worship. Now we're painfully aware that America still has so much left to do about race. Now, I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds here, but just to say that for my whole life, we Americans have been divided, and it just needs to stop. So when we were together in Dallas this week, as the news broke, black and white together, we grieved. We grieved there. I've been visiting African-American churches in Louisville and Lexington on this work as your interim, but Sunday, I've noticed, is still the most segregated time in America. We try, we try our best because black lives matter, but sometimes I really find it hard to believe we're really going to do any better. In my work life, my other work life as a lawyer, I really got to tell you, I've been at this for over 25 years. I've seen the same crimes committed over and over, the same corporate greed, cheating, same mean, senseless cruelty, and the rich getting richer at the expense of the poor. I personally represent dozens of victims of wage theft, people who are often the hard, among the hardest working, even though they earn very little, and then they take home even less when they get cheated. It's really discouraging. But, but every now and then, not all the time, in moments... I can't predict in moments you can't predict. The kingdom breaks through, tr- breaks through and the dream becomes real because the power of hope is that change is both present and coming. The kingdom of God, which is the dream, the year of the Lord's favor, any historians in the room, you know what I'm talking about. It's the Old Testament jubilee plan for canceling, crushing debt and starting over fresh. It's like a global do-over. That's good news for victims of payday lending, for any college students in the room, you and your families, I bet we'd all welcome a do-over to get out of the debt trap, wouldn't we? The dream is that God is not done. We know it in the life and death and life again of Jesus. Jesus died and lives again. So death doesn't have the last word, nor does hate, nor ignorance, nor meanness, nor pride, nor scandal, nor power madness, not even disease and decline. In Jesus' life, we're all renewed, and there's hope for all of us. So we can believe that building extreme build houses together in Appalachia is more than building one house at a time for a family that really needs it. I'll tell you. Tasha and her kids, they really need it. But it's more than that. 
Those 10 houses we built in 10 years are beachheads in a huge struggle against poverty in Appalachia. So we can believe that pushing back on payday lending, even when politics has us so divided, that pushing back will help us rescue the perishing and let the oppressed shake off their chains of debt. And our hope can be renewed with the thought that 12 of the best and brightest of Africa were just here in Kentucky. And we'll soon be going there again. Now, there's more. So I haven't even told you a bit yet about what's going on with the Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, what's going on with Campbellsville University and St. Stephen's Baptist and with Simmons College here in Louisville's West End. I'm not going to. <laughs> Hold those thoughts. I'll save that thunder for your next coordinator. But just know that there's so much more that we do together and that more is on the way. And so, the time is now. From the Apostle Peter's sermon, Acts 17, the 30th verse. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring that all people everywhere should repent. What Peter's saying is, now that you know better, you have to choose. God gives us some room when we're ignorant. But once we know, once there's a sense of grace in our lives, and once we've felt a calling and we can see hope, that demands a choice. The time's now. This isn't about guilt. I'm not saying that God's going to get you if you don't get it in gear. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, well, when you know It's rude to keep God waiting. So in just a minute, as we sing, it's time for a choice. It's a time to step forward. Come to the front, if you will. Tell the church that you've made a choice in your life. To believe, to join in, to respond to the call of God, whatever that is. If you've heard the call, if you've heard that call, What's stopping you? Amen.